Welcome to Next Level Healing. I'm your host, Dr. Tara Perry. For 25 years, I've helped professionals, first responders, celebrities, Olympians, teachers, moms, dads, and people just like you achieve their results better and faster than they thought possible. This is where measurable modern science meets the quantum. We're so glad you're here. Let's dive right in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Next Level Healing. I'm so grateful today to have an amazing guest with us. Her name is Nancy Rines. She spent the first part of her life as a scientist, science writer, and corporate trainer. She was aligned with the standard skepticism prevalent in so much of the scientific community, which we've talked about here on Next Level Healing, until her life-changing bicycle accident and near-death experience, also known as an NDE. Now, Nancy is an avid spiritual seeker as well as a practitioner of compassion, kindness, contemplative prayer, and present moment awareness. Drawing on the transformational wisdom she learned during her NDE, she integrates the teachings of love, compassion, kindness, gratitude, and joy that form the foundation for a peace-filled, meaningful life. Her books include Awakenings from the Light, which is fabulous, Walking in the Light, and Messages from Heaven. She's been featured on the Today Show, Netflix series, Surviving Death, and so many others. Welcome to Next Level Healing, Nancy Rines. Thank you so much for inviting me into your little space space here. I, I'm really looking forward to our talk today. Me too. Um, your story is extraordinary. And oh my God, there's so many gifts in it. There's so many takeaways. Um, I, I, I know you've told the story a million times, uh, but, <laughs> but it's the most <laughs> riveting story. And and one thing that I find so amazing about it is um, when you look back on it as, as horrific as it was, um, it's almost like the universe created this for you with your agreement to to uh, facilitate your, your your personal growth. So I'm so excited to dive into all this. Would you tell our listeners what happened to you? You were out for a bike ride one day. What happened? Yeah, this was actually about ten years ago now. It's been it's been a whole decade, uh, and I just was out for a bike ride in in Colorado and. The weather was perfect. It was a beautiful day. So people don't have to worry that it was snowy or anything. Colorado can have absolutely stunning winter days. So I was out for a bike ride and I got about like about half a mile from my house and went into a, a traffic circle. Now it was a it was kind of a brand new traffic circle that they had literally just put in a few weeks prior. So everybody was still kind of trying to figure out what to do in this thing. And it was very tiny. It wasn't It wasn't like this big, massive thing with a bike lane and stuff. It was very narrow. And um, I was trying to figure out how to navigate it because there was a bike lane coming in, which is where I was, and a bike lane on the other side. But I had to merge with traffic in order to make it through. So I did that. It was fine. The guy behind me was fine. He was, he was stayed back quite a bit. Um, but there was some people coming in a couple of different vehicles coming in on my right on a separate road that was coming into the traffic circle and um at first i thought they were going to stop because that's what you're supposed to do you know when you come into one of those things and there's traffic in the circle um but that that lead vehicle was a very large suv it was a uh, 
big full-size SUV. And she didn't stop at all. Uh, She was, I didn't know at the time what was going on. I found out later she was texting while she was driving and trying to navigate. And um, so she drove right through that intersection and, and hit me. And, and I couldn't really get out of the way. I know a lot of people have, you know, said, well, why couldn't you get out of the way? Well, I've got a guy right behind me in a vehicle and there's nowhere for me to go. I have got, got zero maneuver room. And what's amazing and so I, stories, it's almost happened like in slow motion. I mean, the the details yeah. that you remember of this, even though, you know, your, your very life depended on every move that you made. Yeah. But the detail that you remember it with and, and looking through the windshield and seeing this woman <laughs> texting, like going, hello, do you know that I'm here? <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and that's the... I think in in hindsight, you know, a lot of people have said, well, I wouldn't want to remember any of that stuff. But I'm glad that I did because it meant that I was absolutely conscious through the whole thing. Because if I hadn't been awake and conscious, I wouldn't have survived. It was it was because I was awake and able to to do some things to save myself that, that I'm here. Um, but yeah, I remember there's only one part that I don't remember and it's how I got up on the the hood of her vehicle. That's the only part out of this whole thing that I don't have a memory of. I remember pushing off. I was trying to push off her car, her vehicle with my hand, how I thought that was going to make a difference. I don't know, but you know, I was trying to push off her vehicle with my hand and then the next thing I knew, I was up on the hood looking in through the windshield, like eye to eye with this woman. Well, I to fall. She was busy <laughs> on her phone. <laughs> wow. I, I can't imagine what the thoughts must have been in that split sec. <laughs> no. Hey, guys. Studies are showing that 68% of people that watch podcasts regularly don't click the subscribe button. Do me a huge favor. If you like this content, click subscribe so other people know where to go for the cool stuff. Thank you. Her kids in the back seat of the thing saw me. Her two little boys. And I can't imagine, like, I'm sure they've they're trauma- been traumatized by this, but they saw me. I could see their little eyes looking between the, you know, between the seats. And they saw me, but she didn't. She was really busy with her phone. Um yeah. So I'm like, you know, you just said, like, can't you like, can't you see that I'm here? She didn't even notice that I hit the hood. <laughs> How could you not feel a thud? It would, when, it would be um, funny if um, it wasn't so, so life threatening. I know it was. It's crazy how how unconscious people can be when they're driving, especially if they're distracted. And the fact that she didn't feel she actually ran over my bike with her tires. So she didn't feel that. So how did you get from the hood of the car, which, I mean, this whole step-by-step thing was just harrowing. Yeah. Yeah, so I was on the hood trying to hang on because I thought, well, shoot, if I hit the pavement, I'm I'm dead. And But, I, but because of where I landed, I couldn't grab onto anything. So I basically just slid down the hood as she's driving. She still doesn't see me, by the way. So she's driving like she's going home, you know, she's going home from the grocery store. 
And um, so I slid down and I couldn't, there was like, I just couldn't grab onto anything. And I ended up going over the front and hit the pavement with my left side. And um, that was not a happy experience. I mean, I, I heard bones breaking and that was not good. It's the first time I've ever broken a bone in my life. And, and so I, I knew that I was in trouble on my left side, but my first thought really was she's going to run over me with her wheels. And that's what I was really afraid of because you, you just don't survive stuff, something like that. So I didn't really understand what I was doing. I, I remember reaching up and I grabbed on as her vehicle's passing over the top of me. I grabbed onto part of her axle, I guess, is what it was. And I was kind of hanging on with my right arm. My left was, I couldn't do anything with it because I had broken this collarbone here. Um, but but I was hanging on with my right hand. And then the I had a little um, bicycling backpack on that had, you know, my extra clothing in case it got rainy or something. And so the the chest strap for that was here and it caught on something. I don't really know what, but I remember it being caught on something because it was kind of lifting me up like this. So I was caught via the backpack and then I was hanging on. Um, and I knew that, that there was a good chance because she was in a, remember she's in a turn here. So she was going to run over me. And I, I knew all this. I'm like, going through this in my mind, like if she turns, I'm going to get run over. So I was doing the whole Indiana Jones maneuver underneath of there without, you know, any of the padding or anything. And uh, that's when I noticed something very weird. So this was the first weird thing that I noticed that I couldn't explain. My, I noticed that my consciousness was in two places at once. And, and during the accident, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, this is really bizarre. No one's ever really told me that this could happen. What the heck is going on? So there was a part of me, I, I call it my the human level of my consciousness, that was still experiencing the accident in my body. And that was survival mode. That was, you know, fight or flight, the whole thing. And it was focused on just remaining alive. Now, the part of me that was outside of the whole accident, it wasn't just outside of my body. It was outside of the whole accident, like, I don't know, 50 or 75 feet away, something like that. And, and I noticed that that part of me was very calm, very focused, very centered, and very loving, positive kind of vibe. And it was sort of that I knew it was me. I knew it wasn't anybody else that I was seeing. It was me because I was seeing the thing happen from two vantage points, which kind of freaked me out at first because I had never heard of anything like that happening. So that that part of me that was outside, I now know is, you know, like my soul consciousness or higher self. And and it was really trying to talk the human Nancy through the accident and trying to just keep me calm and keep me safe. 
it, it, however safe I could be while this whole thing was unfolding. So it was very like you would be speaking to maybe a, a, a wounded puppy or something, you know, very calming and soothing kind of tones. But human Nancy was freaking out, like, you know, how this would be. So there was a little bit of a back and forth there until the accident stopped. So there were bystanders that stopped her from continuing. Otherwise, she would have just driven it off. It sounds with like me. Uh, in your book that there, there was a truck. Did, did, did a truck? Uh, yeah. And, and and I mean, I can't imagine in in the fifty feet that this woman was dragging you that somebody had the wherewithal to mentally think to pull in front of this vehicle to to basically yeah. save your life. Wow. Yeah, he was. Um, I think he didn't think. I think he just reacted. So he was in the he was a, in a um, a gray Toyota truck behind her. So he was following her into the traffic circle. Saw what happened immediately. He he drove up on the grass around because there you know this traffic circle was paved, but there was grass at the sides of it, and he drove up on the over the curb on the grass to get around and and stopped her because he could see what was going on I'm just and curious, um it what's his like background that? i mean is he a firefighter or a uh some kind of rescue person <laughs> that's that's an amazing thing um, for, for a bystander yeah I, I never was allowed to talk to him no. some of these guys some of the people that were there didn't want didn't want they talked to the police, but they didn't want any interaction with, you know, either me or the woman that hit me. Mm. Um, so I don't know his background. He acted like, you know, a first responder. I, I just don't know. Um, there were other people at the scene who were like right on top of things. There was the the nurse that came out of nowhere <laughs> and the doc, the, the guy that was in the little car behind me. um as I was entering the circle, he was a, he was a trauma physician. So he was on his way to work and he was just right behind me and saw the whole thing. Um, so he took care of me in, in the ER the rest of the day. And, uh, but that trauma nurse was, you know, I still don't know exactly what to make out of it. I keep wanting her to be like a real human being, but I really don't think she was. Um, I'm open to either, but, but this woman came out of nowhere and, um, as I'm laying there in the ground after they've, you know, stopped the accident and kind of, I started to try to wiggle out from underneath the truck, underneath the SUV. Um, cause my first instinct was to get up and run Well, to get up, hit her. I was going to, you know, do something to her. I probably wouldn't do now, but, but that back then I was going to, you know, give her a piece of my fist. And um, that's what I wanted to do. I just wanted to deck her and run. Um, I'm not necessarily proud of that first one, but that was my first reaction. Like, I need to keep myself safe and get the heck out of here. So I was going to attack her. The animal, the animal very, instinct very was attack and run. built into our nervous system. Exactly. And it was great. Like, it was, it's still very bizarre to keep that in mind, like, oh my gosh, we really can go back to that animal reaction. And um, it's it's beyond thinking. You just do it. So I was going to try to get up and hear things and run away. And I'm kind of like starting to wiggle around. And this woman 
comes up from I don't know where because I can't really see. I'm, you know, laying on my back on the ground looking up. And um, she put her hands on my shoulders and she told me her name was Anne and that she was a, she said a trauma nurse. And, and that's all I heard was her name and trauma nurse. And then she said, um, you know, you need to stay on the ground. I'm going to keep, you know, I'm going to keep you on the ground until the paramedics come. So she actually physically, I could feel hands on my shoulders. So she was physically keeping me pinned to the ground, which because she could see I was life. struggling. Yeah. Like if she hadn't done that, you know, we found out later in the ER, um, effectively, like there weren't too many bones in my back that were not broken. My neck was, was really a mess. It was, I think four vertebrae in my neck were broken in multiple places. Um, all of the tendons and ligaments that go up and down your neck, all of those were torn. So I had nothing really except the spinal cord holding my my head on and in place. So if she hadn't held me down, I would have instantly kind of flopped over and my neck would have broken, like probably right at the base of my skull. Um, it was pretty bad. So I'm so whoever she was, you know, um, so grateful that she was there and, and responded. And of course, the the doc came out too. Um, he got out, he parked his vehicle and came out. But so the two of them were with me while the paramedics were coming. Um, they were close by. Everything was like happening very quickly. The paramedics were a couple blocks away. The hospital, the trauma center was like a half a mile away of that. It may not have even been that far. So I was in a really, I guess, a good spot for this to happen. But but eventually, yeah, that when the paramedics came, because they were, you know, they were starting to feel around to see what was wrong with me, um, the pain level just went through the roof. I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't imagine being in so much pain. It was crazy. And that's when those two parts of me came back together in my body was when the pain got really high. Um, and it was like slamming, like that other part of me just slammed back in. I'm like laying there. I'm I'm not even thinking about the pain. I can feel it. But all I'm thinking about was what the heck was that that just happened? I didn't say anything to anybody, but I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what was that? I had no idea what that was all about. So they took me to the ER. Um, it was bad. I mean, I was the the doc that was in the car behind me kept he came in like every 15 minutes just to make sure I was still alive because every time he came in he'd say I can't believe you're still here like you shouldn't have survived that he just he couldn't he couldn't contemplate that he couldn't make it that couldn't make it into his brain like actually how did you survive yeah wow. many times he said people just normally don't survive that kind of accident. He said, we see these kind of accidents all the time, and you're the first one that survived. How did it feel to you to hear that? Well, I wasn't really thinking too much about that. I mean, I knew it was bad, but but for me, I'm thinking, well, I'm here, so I guess it mustn't have been too bad. Because <laughs> I was awake, you know, I was. they didn't put me under. I was still 
quite conscious. Um, even with, I had a head injury, I was still perfectly fine. I was functioning and I couldn't move, but, but my brain was functioning really well. And I'm like calling my family on the phone and I'm thinking, well, it can't be that bad. But, you know, I didn't, it really didn't dawn on me until after talking with a couple of different trauma surgeons who were there, where I realized that they've seen a lot of these and people don't normally survive. Wow. What were the next steps leading up to your surgery? Yeah, so they they, um, did the whole, like, here's what's wrong with you. It was a crazy number of broken bones, like at least probably like 24 broken bones in multiple places. So they kind of stopped counting because it was just so bad. And so they put me into the ICU because the the biggest trauma was to my spine, as you could imagine. And my lower back was really in tough shape. My neck was in tough shape too, but my lower back was worse. There were, um, there was one vertebrae that was based, it was about, there was about 30% left of it. How many years ago? 70%. Was this, 10. Okay. This was 10. Yeah. So my L1 vertebrae was um, basically had exploded Eve. on impact. And um, there were, you know, the whole thing, they needed to get in there and clean up the, the shards of bone so that, because one of them was impinging on my spinal cord. So they knew that they were going to have to at least do that. But um, they decided to put rods in my back so that I could heal without um, being flat on my back for the next six months. So those were two options. Like you can heal laying down for six months or you can get rods in your back. And so I, I opted for the rods. And so that was what the surgery was for, was to clean up the back and then put those rods in so that my back could uh, could heal straight. And that's where the main NDE happened was was as surgery started. And um, I was uh, really, as you if you read in my if you read in my book, I was really freaked out about the surgery. Like, soup, I knew I needed it, but I was really not feeling good about this in my heart. It was, I was really terrified of it. And um, I don't think that had anything to contribute to it, but I think I knew something was going to happen because you know that time doesn't really work the way we think it does. And so we, we tend to get hints of things that are going to happen before they, and I kind of had a feeling, Um, but they brought me in and um, to the, to the OR fully conscious, which again, like, why do we need to do this to people? But they did. And so they gave me the, they started to give me the anesthetic, the general, which was an injection. And uh, I kind of drifted off. And instead of, like, I've had surgeries before. And usually it's like, just sort of like being in a gray fog and then you wake up in the recovery room. That wasn't what happened here. Um, What happened was that I I woke up and I thought I was outside standing up, which number one, I'm in surgery. I knew I couldn't be standing up or outside, but that's what I saw. 
And um, it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. There wasn't um, there wasn't like a sun or anything in the sky, but it was bright. It was like this bright silvery blue sky. With, was it like a natural you know, environment or was it just like a ethereal environment? It looked at first to me, it looked re- like natural. It looked like, quote, real. Like a um, or it, mountains or. Yeah, or a, it was a meadow, beautiful flower filled meadow kind of on the side of a hill with these mountains in the distance and sort of this kind of gauzy mist, you know, with the mountains. It sort of looked like pictures I've seen of Scotland or Ireland or something like those low, those low hills. And 10 years. And um, how clear a memory is that for you? Absolutely perfect. Like, yeah, it's, I can still see it just as if it was yesterday. Um, What struck me though, was that beautiful blue sky because we don't have anything here like that. That's that was the first thing I noticed that was different. Because it wasn't blue blue like our skies can be. It was a it was like a light blue, almost like a silvery blue. It was metallic almost. Um and, and sort of glowed, which I thought was a little bit odd, but at that point I figured I was just hallucinating. So I thought, no. Nah, not a big deal. <laughs> Whatever it is. How are you feeling at that moment when you're seeing this gorgeous environment that you, it's felt odd, but it, it felt beautiful. What was the feeling that you had at that moment? You know, I was very calm about it. I thought, I, I was thinking, well, I, I knew I was in surgery and I thought this is a really great place to spend surgery. It's calming. I like it. It's, you know, it's pretty chill. It's exactly where I would want to be. Because I like being outside in that kind of environment. So I felt like I didn't feel concerned about what it was. I just assumed it was some kind of a dream or a hallucination that was pretty lucid, you know. But I I wasn't really concerned about it right away. And um, I started to get concerned when when I began to feel stuff coming through me like energy waves so I could feel this sense of peace and and comfort kind of surrounding what I assumed was my body but it was it was like a warmth that was coming in all around me and just embracing me like this big energy hug of love and peace and that's when I began to start wondering what was going on, because when I felt that, all of a sudden I started thinking there, there was a, a remembering that this here on Earth was the dream, that this existence was, a, I call it a simulation, that was the first, I was starting these like little glimmers of memory, like, oh yeah, that's right. Where I am now is real. This is home. And that place on earth, that's really just a, an illusion or a dream or something. The, the better term now I use is simulation. But back then I was kind of struggling with what word to use, but I knew it wasn't quote real for our, for us, our souls. 
And I was beginning to get these glimmers of memory, like I'm back home finally, finally back home. Yay. You know, starting to get really excited about that. And um, then then I was it was a very bizarre struggle because I'm still I'm still attached to the Nancy me, the, the human self and that human self. I, that self identity crept in and said, "Now wait a minute. What is if what's going on here? It seems like I've died, but if I have, what's you know? I don't belong here. My parents told me that atheists go to hell. What is where? Where am I? So there was again, there was a little bit of a, a human struggle versus the soul struggle there about what was happening, and then there was that that." crazy sounding at first voice it wasn't it was deep and booming but not loud that came in and said this is your home you are a child of mine you are a part of me I think it actually said you're a part of me I felt as though it was like you're a child of me but actually I think the words were you are a part of me welcome home and the welcome home just laid me out flat I started to weep I'm, or at least I felt I listening was, to this. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It still chokes me up even today when I remember that the power of that, you're a part of me, welcome home. And it was the welcome home that finally triggered all of those memories to come back. Um, and then I realized, oh my gosh, that life that I had as Nancy is part of some kind of a simulation and this this is really home and then that was the point at which i didn't want to leave but um unfortunately that wasn't going to be (laughs) but but i had um that moment of really fully remembering that that i chose to come here i didn't want to realize that I chose to can't come here because then that means that that I chose all of this but um, I'm fine with that now but at that time it was a real struggle and I had you know I, I had a teacher come up to me she, uh, somebody that looked like a woman although you know later she basically said this is just a cloak that I'm wearing to make this interaction with you comfortable so that you have somebody you can relate to. Um, She said it's, it's a, it's a, what did she say? It was an incarnation that she had used sometime in the past when she was, you know, on earth, but it wasn't her true self, but she wore that cloak of a human personality or persona just so that I wouldn't freak out and, (laughs) kind of hard to just like have a conversation with the air you know but so it makes it easier when you've got something you can you know communicate with Um, but she ended up being my teacher for what felt like I don't know like two or three months that's how long it felt like I was there just with all of the things that we did everything that she taught me um you know, I went through a life review. I didn't know that's what it was at the time, but but that's what it turned out to be. It's not like for you. And at first it was pretty harrowing, but it was really and truly, I, I, I would say, probably the most transformative part of the whole experience when I look back at it in hindsight. It was, um, 
it wasn't like a lot of people, everybody's life review is different. Mine was at a, on a pond, a pond up in the mountains. And I got to see all these little, they look like little videos floating on top of the pond. And when I would focus on one of those little vignettes, which were a part of my life, I was sucked back into that memory of my life, but not just from my perspective, but from the perspective of everyone else I was interacting with too. So if I was doing, let's say if I, if I said something to hurt someone, especially if it was intentional, not only would I experience my own memory of that event where I was kind of being a jerk, but I was also experiencing the feelings of the other people when I said that nasty thing to them. And that was, that's the, that the complete 360 uh, view of, of an event and a view of my actions was completely transformative. That, that right there changed my perception of us, of our connections to each other, of how we interact, not just on a verbal level, not just, you know, with physical, but there's also an intention energy that goes along with it that's at the spiritual level. And all three of those things I was experiencing from all perspectives. So it was like the the big aha moment (laughs) of how I present myself to other people physically, verbally, mentally, and, and spiritually as well. The, the thoughts, the thoughts matter. I hate telling people that because it's, that's a tough one, but thoughts matter. Did you see thoughts or energy? Where you were just thinking something and you could feel the effects of that? Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thoughts matter more than we want them to. We, we want we want to think that they're all just stuck in our little brain, you know, our, our skull here, but it's an energy form that goes out well, it's from kind of you. News, bad news, isn't it? I mean, the bad news, yeah. we're unconscious and we're sending out negative stuff, then that haunts us and the whole world. But if we right. raise our vibration, that also affects us and the whole world. Exactly. And that's the hard part is it just as you described when you're unconscious to it and you're just you're you're putting out all this energy with your, you know, I don't call them broken thoughts. Some people do, but they're thoughts that are not helpful, not helpful for you or anybody else. It's when you start to wake up to that. That's the true awakening is when you wake up to your presence on this planet, in this world, in this energy system that you absolutely have 100% control over it. Doesn't matter what's happened to you in the past or what's going to happen in the future. It's your consciousness brought into the present moment can really change the energy that you're putting out. And that actually changes your own future as well. As So if you're putting out really good stuff, that that actually kind of goes out from you in waves, whether it's thoughts, whether it's words or actions, it doesn't, all of those things matter. And, uh, and that can change the people around you. It can change, <clears throat> excuse me, it can change an event. It can change how people interact with you. I mean, I've seen this happen in my own personal life where 
if you just change the energy you bring to someone, their entire demeanor can shift. Um, either way, I, I use it for the good now, but but if someone's angry and upset and you just come in and you're just projecting love and acceptance, it can really change how they're interacting with you completely deflate the situation. Um, But that's important. It's tough. I I tell my students that, you know, that's kind of the Holy grail is getting your, your thoughts in line with everything else, but it's super important. Um, It's nothing that I would recommend people, you know, go after right away. It's easier to start looking at your actions and your words because those are obvious. And now when you get comfortable with that, start start going after what's between your ears here. But um, it's super important. Yeah. So tell us about the communication with this spirit guide, because uh, it's very funny in the book. You you say when you had to <laughs> a word, she'd kind of get annoyed and like, oh, God, do I have to dumb it down that much? <laughs> <laughs> and that's really what it was. You know, most of the communication, <clears throat> I call it beyond telepathic. It wasn't just thought, you know, it wasn't just thought, thought going back and forth. It was everything. It was multiple layers of communication. There were thoughts, there were feelings, um, there was almost history at some point. All of that was just communicated in an instant without using words. There were times when, because, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're in an NDE, you're not fully dead, you're still attached to this human self. You still have some of those human filters in place. And there were times when it became very tiring or difficult for me to understand that it was just too much coming in. Sort of like you can take being hit with a fire hose for a little while, but then all of a sudden you're going to get blown away. And that's, there were times when it would just be too much. And, um, that's when my teacher, I, she actually kind of just did the roller eye. Like, it's almost like a teenager. Oh, my God, I can't believe I have to do this. But she started to put all that into words. Now, words are great, but they don't have the levels of content that come with that beyond telepathic communication. So there wasn't the history. There wasn't the feeling. It was just words. So that was... It was kind of funny in hindsight that she'd get like, she'd actually sometimes put her hands on her hips and be like, gosh, I can't believe that I have to do this. Um, How did that, you know, you should be past this by now. Have your beautiful angel guide go rolling her eyes and going, oh my God, do I have to explain it this way? <laughs> I'm sure the whole, if I look back at my life, I'm sure many of them are like, oh man, we have to help her out again. Right. You know, like. We can all say that. Just our, our <laughs> understanding from the time that we're born to the time that hopefully we've learned a few things is, uh, is a big, uh, a big journey. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I've had some pretty tough spots in my lifetime and I you know in hindsight I can see where I call my team um whether it's a team of angels or just guides or whatever um it's a it's a mix but where they've intervened to basically save my save my bacon a few times there was a time when I was four years old where I fell off the side basically the side of a building and hit the pavement and and should have 
it's another one. I should have died. I should have been at the very least had every bone in my back broken, but I had no bones broken and I was fine. Um, and then went during my NDE, one of my, you know, quote, angel friends, they don't call themselves that by the way we do, but, um, he had a kind of a masculine presence and he, he showed me <laughs> at least four different times where he's basically put a bubble around me to save me um, because I had gotten into some pretty tenuous situations. <laughs> so they can do that. And if they have a specific level of ability, they, they can step in and really literally put a bubble of energy around us to save to save us. So um, he had to do that a few times with me. But um, Why did you realize that you had chosen this and that if if there had been earlier spiritual learnings that perhaps this situation was avoidable? Yeah, that's a good, good point to bring up. So there was a point relatively early on in this experience where um, my teacher was was telling me that I had chosen this life. Not necessarily every little, it's like people get a little confused about that. It's not like you plan out every little thing. That's not, that's not how it works. It's sort of planned out in, in large, uh, kind of a, at a high, high level. I want to experience this, this, and this, or I want to do this, this, and this. Um, one of my agreements with my team and source was I wanted to experience separateness and being a non-believer. That was one of the things I actually wanted to experience. I wanted also to experience being this scientist and coming to all this from a scientific mind, but I wanted to come back to a spiritual focus later in my life and really merge the two. Um, and there were, I think, three spots in my life before this accident, three spots prior where my, my, my guides or my team was going to help me try to make that transition back to um, a spiritual Actually, more of an integrated view of, of life, spiritual with scientific. Yeah, they you know, don't so have bring to be uh, mutually exclusive. It's wonderful how they really support each other. Yeah. And there's some great evidence, yeah. so much great evidence uh, emerging on this. Uh, yeah. If you haven't yeah. come across Mark Gerber yet, uh, he's been on my show and I'd love to turn you on to him. But he wrote the most amazing book where he brings these two together, you know, showing how spirituality and science actually totally support each other. Yeah, they do. We've we've put them into separate boxes, but they really don't belong in separate boxes. They're they're really kind of two two parts of the same whole. Um, so I blew I blew past those first three. <laughs> uh, I was I was so engrossed in being a scientist and an atheist that I I just kept pushing those experiences away that really should have turned me that were, in, I should say, intended to turn me back toward a more integrated view. And, um, and one of them was, was my dad when he passed away. I had a shared death experience with him. At the time, I didn't know what to call it. And I, 
made note of it. And then I just sort of like tried to forget about Would it later. Tell our because... listeners about that story because it's a beautiful story. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of, there were two parts. There were really a couple of parts to it. Um, all happened on the same day when my dad passed away. He had been ill for, gosh, six or seven years with cancer and um, was terrified. Of, he was absolutely terrified of death. The morning that he died, I was asleep in my home about, I don't know, 250 miles away. He was he was near Spokane, Washington, and I was in the Seattle area. So that's about a six-hour drive by, by car. And and I was asleep in my bed. It was 4 a.m. And I, wo- I woke up kind of out of a sound sleep. Now, my partner, he was... Uh, he was having a hard time sleeping that night. So he got up actually at some point and went and slept on the couch in the living room just so he wouldn't disturb me with his moving around. So I was in, in the bedroom alone and um, I woke up at four, it was almost on the dot at 4 a.m. And I, I'm looking at the base of my bed and my dad's standing there. I'm like, what in the world is this? But he, he didn't say anything. I knew it was him. And he just basically, I could feel the goodbye coming from him. And and just to give you a, people a little bit of background, we, my dad and I had a really contentious relationship. He, um, I'll just leave it at that. It was it was challenging to grow up with him as my father. Well, we'll leave it leave it there. But um, but he was there was a lot of love that he had for me, and he was very concerned about me. And he just he was there just to say goodbye. He wanted to check up on me, I think, one more time. And then I, I'm watching him, and all of a sudden, he kind of backed up away from the bed. And then it was like there was a curtain that came over the front of him. And he just stepped behind that curtain, and that was it. And I knew he, he had died. As that curtain passed over, this image that I saw of my dad, I heard the phone ring, and my partner picked the phone up and uh, he came in to tell me that my dad had just died. And I said, well, I already know because he was just here. (laughs) And, um, and, uh, and my, you know, my, my partner's like, what? Because he was an atheist too. I, I was kind of a freaky person for him to be with back then because I'd have strange things happen. And this was, this was probably one of the strangest things. And he couldn't, he just couldn't deal with it. So anyway, we packed up, I, we drove over to my parents' house. My, by the time I got there, it was, you know, quite a bit later. It was almost noon, somewhere between 10 and noon. I don't remember. And as we walked up to the front door, now I knew my brother, my older brother had been there with my dad and mom and my mom was there and that was it. Um, so we walked up to the front door and I just started to hear music, like this unearthly, beautiful music. It was like a million angels singing. That's the only way I can describe it. There was no musical instrument except voice or what sounded like voice. And it was this joyous, peace-filled, welcoming song. Just amazing. 
And I, I turned to my partner. I don't want to say his name because I don't want to out him. But um, and and I said, do you hear that? And he's like, what are you talking about? There was he didn't hear a thing. Um, and I and I just, you know, I tried to not hear it. But that's all I could hear was this music. I couldn't hear anything else. So I put my hand on the door, opened it up, and it was like this whoosh of even bigger music. I walked in, they had taken my dad, you know, to the uh, funeral home already, but my brother and mom were there crying. They had not played any music, no music on the stereo. It was just that spiritual music that I was hearing that, you know, what I call the music of heaven. Uh, It's, it's actually like, that's the first time I heard it. The second time I heard it was during my own NDE. And then I knew what it was that I had heard with my dad. Um, you talk a little bit. It's so beautiful. Role it played in your NDE. And then I know you said when you came back to Earth, it was like uh, you couldn't listen to regular Earth music anymore because it was just a cheap cartoon by comparison. <laughs> yeah, I still can't. It's been 10 years. Um, I can't listen to classical because it's it's close enough, but it's like disharmonic. It's not it's not right. It's too close, but it's not right. Um, I can listen to for maybe 10 minutes at a time, something really unusual. Um, but I, I really don't listen to music anymore. So that's, it's been, that's the hardest part of all of this is having lost my love for music. I just can't, it's, it's just isn't there for me anymore. Um, but you know, a lot of really cool things have come out of this though, like just being, in that level of awareness that I had during my my um, life review, that is invaluable to me because that's completely changed my life. So for our and, listeners uh, who would like to just taste uh, the goodness of that delicious place uh, in alignment with source or um, what do you like to call it? I don't know that I necessarily have a term for it. I sometimes I'll call it just, you know, walking in love, mm. or you know, being in alignment completely. Um, present moment awareness, if you want to just talk about the awareness part of it, but it's um, literally being. It's it's you know, GC Jesus talked about this a little bit being of this world or in this world, but not of I it. quote that and all the time. I love that quote. It's perfect. It's apps. That's exactly what, what I'm talking about here. It's, it's learning how to live here and be happy here, but not be attached to all of this drama and stuff. Being able to, you're, you've reached a level of self-awareness and just awareness of are you're not just this you're an eternal spiritual being well he also, once you embrace that yeah he also it's like god is within right exactly and, exactly and he said that we would do greater things than he did so i i it seems that it's a pretty clear message to go within <laughs> it is it is and and a lot of people aha moments and and live that way quickly with some kind of an awakening event 
But even for me, it it took a lot of effort to be able to live that way every day. I had that awakening event, but then I had to learn techniques that would help me just be that way all the time, walking in love all the time, making decisions based on love and not fear. Um, being able to see, it's 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 bizarre, but in a good way, being able to see all of the energy involved in a situation. So if there's an argument going on, not only hearing the argument, but also seeing the energy involved from the different people involved in the argument. Um, that's very interesting to see the world at the level of energy, not just stuff. Um, it's like in the Matrix movie when they're seeing all the numbers going on the screen. That's what I'm talking about. It's being able to see the energy flowing from person to person and to some extent being able to interrupt it if needed or change it or or bring something different to it. But really, it's the awareness of I can be here in this life in love, walking in love, walking in compassion, spreading love and compassion taking care of myself at the same time, um, but not being attached to all the drama and all of the intrigue that we like to bring into our lives as human beings. And so it raises your awareness up a notch. It's sort of like being a hawk on a, on a pole, looking down at, at the earth and seeing everything from up above. Um, you're able to see how you're interacting with people, how other people are interacting with you from a non-attached perspective based on love and compassion. What, what are your top daily or weekly or monthly practices that just help elevate your perspective? Yeah. So first of all, every, I try to be outside at least every day, uh, you know, once a day for a little, even if it's just a 15 minute walk. For me, that's a really I need to have that. Now, practice-wise, usually in the morning, um, I'll do, I don't have a ton of time for meditation, but I do meditate between 15 and 20 minutes before I actually get up out of bed. So I'll wake up, go into a meditation. I'll do intentions for the day then at that same time before I get up, and then also some gratitude. And those things really do help, especially the gratitude, really getting into it. Cement yourself. Like I, for me, it's still, I'm grateful I can, you know, use my hands and I can walk. <laughs> so what has that 10-year physical healing process been like for you? It was honestly, I hate to say it, pretty easy. Um yeah, and and that's that astounded a lot of a lot of my docs. I had, um, like I said, it was a well over a hundred different bone breaks, fractures, and within at about week four after my accident, I had all my casts removed, which was startling because I had you know even with the surgery I was still in a full body cast. Um, it was removable, but it was still a, a hard body cast. And I had, um, you know, and neck braces on that were those hard plastic things. And, you know, I was so I had a lot of gear that I was wearing. So all of that came off at week four after the accident. Usually that's 12 to 16 weeks before 
you know, bones can heal up. Um, and I was pretty fine, like no pain really to speak of the whole time. In fact, the, the docs at, when I was still in the hospital were trying to pump drugs into me to keep me pain-free. I'm like, guys, I don't need it. Yeah. I'm fine. So I'm, I don't need the pain meds. meds. <laughs> Some of that can be attributed to like the the post trauma euphoria thing, but but it lasted for a very long time, and I never really needed to be on pain meds. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with Anita Marjani's story, uh, where yep. she made a decision and came back, and then just you know healed from the absolute abs- yep. absolute impossible. So it it does seem, um, yep. and I just worked with somebody who had low back pain from an injury for 40 years, and we just went and fixed in his subconscious mind what was getting in his way. And he had had a near death experience when he was uh, a, a young man. Uh, so he and I said, "Well, are you surprised that in just a month, you know, 80 percent of your pain's gone?" And he says, "No." He says, "I know how powerful my mind." <laughs> exactly it's pretty exciting when you think about what your heart and brain coherence can do and wow i'm just so deeply impressed that you snap back that quickly yeah and it's it's it is it is the coherence but it's also the coherence with source too with the universe so there's another layer there that i think for people who like Anita, who had a, a she had a really really serious illness, uh, or me who had a trauma, um, there's a there's like a three month period after an NDE where you're sort of in this. I call I call it almost the afterglow time when the energy of source is still surrounding you, and and I think that has a huge part in these quick healings too. If you can align yourself, whether you've had an NDE or not more with that source energy, it makes healing a lot easier and faster. Would you say that heart and brain coherence is connection to source? Yeah, I think I think so. I think um, can be. I should say it can be. I think there's a somewhat there's a somewhat deeper level that we can go to. This these things aren't just like in these little pockets. You can always expand your connection to source and make it stronger and stronger. So the stronger that you can you can do that and heart coherent, you know, the heart really is the window to source. That's one of certainly one of the things that I learned. Um, it isn't this. This is important. But, but the heart is really that the, the window to source or the direct channel to source. And the more that you can go into that heart space and some of the things that I teach my students are the things that I did right away was to like even for 15 minutes, if you can just bask in the feeling of deep gratitude, doesn't matter what for, but if you can just sit in that space of gratitude for 15 minutes, it completely, over time, it will change the way that you show up in your life. Or if you can do that same thing, but but staying in a state of love, so I've had people who don't feel like they have any love in their lives. And this is a really good exercise if you don't think you do. If you've got a pet or anything, well, a lot of people will have pets. Um, think about your pet and how much you love your pet. And just instead of thinking just about the pet, think about the love for the pet. And bask in that love for as long as you can't hold it. Most people can only start with a few moments, but 
the more that you can get into that feeling state of love, you're going into your heart space. And that's that connection to source. At first, it's, it challenged me to go there. But now it's super easy. And it can completely change what I'm thinking and feeling in any moment. If I just take a moment to go back to that love state. Beautiful. I once, yeah. uh, my meditation teacher once said to me years ago, he says, Tara, because I was, I don't know, complaining about this, that or the other thing. And he said, are you, do you ever wake up just grateful for your breath? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how do people um, reach out to you? How do they find out about you? Um, how do they stay in touch with you? What are your best resources for that? And we'll, of course, list so people, on the page when we publish this. Yeah. Yeah. The best place for people to get a hold of me is on my website, and that's nancyryans.com. And you can sign up for my email blast that I send out about once a month for any updates um, and any you know, talks that I'll be giving in the near future. I've got, you know, anything that is coming up will be on, on my webpage. So you can take a look at that. Um, and that also has links to some of my online courses too, if you're ever interested, anything like that, but that's the best place to get a hold of me. Fantastic. And just so our listeners know, it's Nancy, N-A-N-C-Y, Ryan's R-Y-N-E-S dot com uh, and her book Awakenings from the Light uh, and Walking in the Light and Messages from Heaven are all wonderful and uh, I love that she reads them because it's always nice to get the uh, feeling of the the author in there. Um, Nancy, uh, you, you, you loved for this not to be called the afterlife. Can you comment on that? <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of comments that I have about that. It's This is actually what we're in right now is we we think of it as life and it and it is you know there there's an aspect of life to this but it isn't all there is um my team likes to call this a near life experience by the way <laughs> i love that I term love so that. i call this a near this is the near life experience but our our existence is really much more than this the existence of our souls is much bigger um, more certainly grander and obviously eternal than than we can imagine right here on this planet. But it's, you know, this is really not all there is. That's why when, when, when we go home, I call it home, when we go home, that's not the afterlife. You know, if you say that to anybody there, they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that thing that you're in down there, that's just a, you know, a drop in the pan. It's just not even, it's not even worth talking about to some extent. This is, this is the real life. This Why is the real home. Set up this way for us to forget and, and come here and here and learn all these lessons. Yeah, I know. You know, that's, a, that's a talk that I'm going to be giving here in a few weeks, by the way. Oh, good. Um, down here in Phoenix. But, but I don't know. I think, I wish I had the, the full answer for me right now. What I'll say is I think it is uh, it's sort of like a, it, it sort of is a classroom for, for many of us, for, for others, it, it's, I think just an experiential place, but, but for some of us, it is really a classroom where we can learn things that we can't necessarily learn if we're just in a quote, non-physical form in that other dimensional space of, you know, home. Because that truly is a different dimension. It isn't a physical dimension. It's it's different from this. And so there are things that we can learn about 
ourselves, each other, source here in in this quasi physical realm that we can't uh, elsewhere, you know, in in, a, in another dimension. I've heard a lot of people wonder if this is some kind of a you know, some kind of a game too. And I guess to some extent you could think of it that way, but for me, it's a little bit more serious than a, than just like a video game type of thing, because we are taking away a lot of insights and knowledge and understanding about ourselves and others through this experience. So it's, it's more than just some kind of a game to me. It's really, it really is more of that of a classroom and the end game. I don't know. I forgot. And I think though, we, we do have to, in order for, for us to function here in this human form that we've chosen, we can't carry all of that with us right now. I think the direction of the human shape or form is going to allow for more and more of that to come in. But for right now, we do have to forget a lot. Um, we can't carry all of that with us. If we knew and remembered, I know one person who has remembered pretty much all of her past lives in this life. And that's tough. It's very difficult for her in some aspects of her life to function when she sees somebody that she's known before. So there's a blessing to it in, in focusing down what we need to do. Yeah, let's just get in there, do what we need to do, enjoy ourselves and then go home. But it's so easy to get distracted if you come in with all of this prior knowledge and remembering every little life you had on this planet. It's it can be super overwhelming and very difficult for most of us to focus. Um, I can remember a few of my lives, and I'm glad I can only remember a few because otherwise I'd be like you know looking at all of them and and trying to make sh- you know relive each one of them. That's that's really the the kind of the downside of remembering is, oh, I used to know that person. Maybe we should be friends in this lifetime. Sometimes that's not the case. So think of it as, you know, I think of it as a classroom for now. And I try to learn as much as I can and then help everybody else um, learn as much as they can. So maybe we don't need to keep coming back here to learn. Yeah, (laughs) Nancy, I love to ask this last question. Uh, If you were to go back and talk to Nancy when she was 10 years old, what would you say? You know, that was when, right about that time is when I started my path toward becoming an atheist was when I was about 10. And and I would probably tell her, look, everything's going to be fine. You're going to have some really cool adventures. Don't be afraid. But also don't be afraid of yourself. So I had a lot of abilities even back then that I was terrified of because I was told they were bad, Um, being able to see things in the future, see future events, see, you know, know things that I shouldn't know, being able to do remote viewing when I was a little kid. And I would tell her, just don't be afraid of yourself. You really dumbed down a lot of stuff because it wasn't uh, conforming with your world. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I used to have so many, what my family were, to my family were scary experiences because... You know, they were very devout religious people and seeing future events was not in their their paradigm. So I just learned to shut that off. 
um, at first I shut up about it, but then I just shut it off. Um, knowing, being able to know things that were happening, remote viewing is what we call it now. Back then I used to call it, I had my own term for it. But, but I was so scared because my parents were scared. So I would just tell myself, don't be scared of who you are. Mm. You know, don't be afraid of who you are. As you know, didn't believe all this stuff. And then uh, he was presented with scientific evidence, which he publicly said was garbage. And the scientist who presented it said, well, you can say it's garbage, but you actually have to look at it first. <laughs> and, it, you know, he's like, oh, my goodness, all the, you know, the telekinesis, the telepathy, the precognition, it, it, it all scientifically is ver verifiable out to many uh, standard deviations, uh, like one in a billion yeah. and beyond. So. Um, very interesting stuff. Nancy, I want to thank you so much for being on Next Level Healing today. It's been an absolute delight hearing your experience and um, and the resources that you have for people. Um, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Next Level Healing. Please like, subscribe, and let us know how this helped you. How can it be even more life-changing? We love hearing from you. And if you're eager to upgrade your life, click the button here or go to consultterra.com and get your free customized GPS map. Get the coordinates for where you are now and where you wanna go. Clients consistently report it's faster and easier than they thought possible. Remember, you were meant for more and it is available to you. See you right here next week for our next episode.